turn into the book of Leviticus, chapter 10, and the first seven verses this evening. Leviticus 10, verse 1, And Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them his censer, and put fire therein, and put incense thereon, and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not. Let's pray. Lord, we do not really understand the gravity of our offenses. We pray you will pardon us this evening for assuming and presuming that we are worshiping are not. We pray for your help as we seek to look at this passage of scripture and we pray you will shield us from anything that brings glory to ourselves and dishonor you. Even in our personal lives, help us, Lord. We are stained by sin and, and Lord, and at times we love our sin. But help us, Lord, to consider the consequence of sin, even in this passage this evening. We pray for your help. We pray for the help of your people. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We continue in our Old Testament survey. The book of Leviticus. The meaning of the book is given in the first verse. And usually this is how it is in the Pentateuch, the Old Testament. The meaning of the book simply means, and he called. And this title states the purpose of the book. Levites were called to undertake the responsibility of worship in the tabernacle. The Levites were the only group of people that did not get an inheritance. And that gives a striking message that Christians, our home is not this world. It doesn't mean that we don't own property, but it is a reminder that our inheritance is found in Christ. The book of Leviticus is applicable today, the new covenant believers because we are the call. The Bible tells us this. As a matter of fact, the church, the name church, reflects that. The call out of. We are called to undertake the services of the true tabernacle. We are called to undertake the ministry. And we should take this calling very serious. We should not be pleading and begging because part of our calling is to take care of the church. All of the shadows in the book of Leviticus are fulfilled in Christ. He is our burnt offering. He is our peace offering. He is our mediator. He's our high priest. But even though these things are true, God expects Christians to honor him 
in worship in the manner that is prescribed in the scriptures. And it is the duty of ministering servants to teach his people what is biblical worship. That's, that's my responsibility to teach you what is biblical worship. That's, I am held accountable for that. It is your duty to follow the principles that are taught of biblical worship. You know, some, I've been here for some time, and I often say a lot of our people have not come around to biblical reform worship, have not moved. And there will always be some like that. Yeah, you, you can't fight that. That's the way God has designed it. But it doesn't mean that we should not love our people and pray for them as we do every single week and by calling specific names. If God was serious with the shadows and so serious, what, what makes us think that he's not more serious with the substance of Christian worship? If Nadab and Abihu met such a severe hand, what makes people today think that it will be anything less? As, as a matter of fact, we have the, the, the prototype of it in Acts 5, where Ananias and Sapphira were consumed on the spot. God was building his church. And, and they, they thought that they could have lied to a man not knowing that God was in their midst. And they were struck down. And today, we, we trifle with worship. We trifle with, with lying to church leaders. We, have, we don't really know what we're doing, but we, we shouldn't do that. As a matter of fact, in the book of warnings, the Bible says, He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sore punishment suppose ye shall be thought worthy who have trodden on the foot the Son of God and have counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing, and have done this fight unto the spirit of grace. That's a warning, Hebrews 10, 28 and 29, having, having explaining the types and the shadows and showing the substance. The apostle said this, you know, he said, he, he said he that despised Moses' law died without mercy. A man picking up a few sticks in the desert, in the wilderness, maybe to light a fire to, to make something to eat on the Sabbath, was stoned to death. It may sound unreasonable to you. It may seem excessive, excessive in the punishment, but he marred the type. It was just like Moses was told to go and speak to the rock. Moses decided that he was going to be provoked by the people and he smote the rock. And God said, just for that, you would not go across with the people. And sometimes we think that we are more merciful than God. And one of the problems in the church today is a lack of church discipline. We are to worship God in spirit and in truth. Anything more is idolatry. And here in Leviticus 10, the events that we are seeing with Nadab 
and Abihu, they were not haphazard. They were not a knee-jerk reaction by these two young men in doing what they did. It was not a spurt of the moment action by the sons of Aaron. It was a premeditated, willful action considering the stated instructions that went before. God was very careful, and I, I really can't read all of them to you, but God was very careful in giving instructions, and all of a sudden, we read a connecting word. And in spite of this, and Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them his censor. It was in defiance, so to speak. Terrible defiance. God was instructing Moses how his people were to come before him. We saw last time in chapter 1, the burnt offerings. We said that every person in Israel, in the camp, had ability to worship based on the categories of the sacrifices that were selected. God did not leave out anyone. He made, he made, he made it possible for all the poor the in-between, the rich, with the categories of sacrifices. In his wisdom, and we see this beautifully fulfilled with Mary, the mother of Jesus, couldn't afford a lamb. Poor. Turtle doves. Young pigeon. The son of God, his mother, could not afford, but in faith and obedience, she offered what she had. And it's not a one in here who can't give to God on a regular basis. Not one. As poor as we are. We should systematically, routinely tithe and give to God our portion. And I shouldn't have to teach this from whatever we have. Every person has the ability to worship. The instructions of worship continue through Leviticus 9 until we get to Leviticus 10. As a matter of fact, we read in Leviticus 8, 1 through 5, come with me as I do this survey, Leviticus 8, 1 through 5, we read, and the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, take Aaron and his sons with him and the garments and the anointing oil, and a bullock for the sin offering, and two rams, and a basket of unleavened bread, and gather thou all the congregation together unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And Moses did as the Lord commanded him. And the assembly was gathered together unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And the Lord said unto the congregation, This is the thing which the Lord and Moses said unto the congregation, This is the thing which the Lord commanded to be done. And then Moses brought Aaron and his sons and washed them with water. You see this? These two boys had the audacity to do their own thing. In the closing words of Leviticus 9, 23 and 24, we read, and Moses and Aaron 
went into the tabernacle of the congregation and came out and blessed the people. And the glory of the Lord appeared unto all the people. And there came a fire out from before the Lord and consumed upon the altar the burnt offering and the fat, which when all the people saw, they shouted and fell on their faces. There's a reason why God wanted the fat to be burnt on the altar. Because if you, if you ever have a barbecue and you put fat on the fire, guess what? It fuels the fire. And God is so wise that this fire was burning all the time with fat to fuel the fire, to consume the burnt offering. <clears throat> so we see these preparations for the worship, the tabernacle, where Aaron and his sons were to perform the service of the tabernacle as divinely instructed. We saw the procedure um, earlier in the in the in, in, in chapters eight and nine, and we saw the approval of this function by God, who endorsed it by coming down with fire, just as He did with uh, I think it was Samuel uh, when He offered, and when Elijah offered on Mount Carmel, we see the same procedure where God uh, licked up the water and everything with fire. It was an, a show of approval uh, of Israel's worship in answering by fire as he did on Mount Carmel. And here in Leviticus 10.1, as we move along, we see presumption. Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them his censer and put fire therein and put incense thereon and offered strange fire before the Lord which he commanded them not. And we should pay attention to these words. Which he commanded them not. Now this action, as I said, was presumptuous on a few counts. One, it was man's invention. And Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron. And there's a small thought here. Uh, just because one is connected by relationship, or even by office, doesn't give them the right to invent new ways of worship. My wife can't say, I'm gonna do this because Brian is my husband. She better take her place. Neither my sister. As a matter of fact, I'm more serious in, in, in correcting them than anyone else. They don't have the right to be unmannerly they don't have the right to snub people. They don't have the right to do these things, but to love the brethren. God does not desire ingenuity in our worship. He does not approve individualism. And I've seen this coming out in our prayers here on Tuesdays. I've seen it coming out in our leading. Stay away from the individualistic tactics please we should not seek to go beyond what we are instructed to do when we come to worship only one priest was supposed to offer incense at a time not two one 
Nadab and Abihu invented this new method. It was not a matter of the more the merrier. The problem with these two is they saw what occurred in Leviticus 9, 23 and 24, what I've read. Let me read it again. And the glory of the Lord appeared unto all the people, and there came a fire out from before the Lord and consumed upon the altar the burnt offering and the fat, which when all the people saw, they shouted and fell on their faces. You see, men like adulation and response, but this came from God who approved the worship. By who sought to duplicate this action, instead of the fire consuming the sacrifice, it consumed them. It's terrible. They sought to share in God's glory. And today you and I can be very subtle in taking glory from the God to whom it is due. I say in our speaking, in our leading, in our prayers, we should stay with the instructions. We should not attempt to confess our sins in congregational intercessory prayer. It is intercession. It is not a place for personal confession. Do that home. We don't have to say how sinful we are when we pray. Keep that to yourself at home. It's a spiritual pride. That's what it is. They sought to duplicate this action. Today, you and I, as I say, can be very subtle in invention. God doesn't desire an individualistic approach in worship. Just follow the protocols. Today, many people have changed the rules, moved the goalposts when it comes to marriage and other sacred ordinances in the church. God is not going to consume anybody by fire today, but there's a consequence for disobedience tomorrow. When it comes to leading in worship, we ought not to seek to be individualistic, invent our own niche, seek to be innovative. Even in the way we pray, we always are told at the conference, do not try to preach when you're praying. Pray. And I have noticed an individual approach to congregational prayer. And I beg you to stay away from it, especially in my absence, and stick with the directives. Leviticus is very useful. It's very instructive in worship. I'm afraid that we have not read how God treated Nadab and Abihu, how he treated Uzziah, another man, a king, he went by himself, but he also did what he should not have done. He took a censor to him, and he went in, and he was confronted by 80 priests, and he tried to take them on. He became a leper instantly. He tried to take on the priests, God's priests. And God takes worship very, very serious, and we should take it serious. Another reason why this action was presumptuous is because it was divinely forbidden. 
Nadam and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them his censer and put fire therein and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded not. That's the phrase. It was divinely forbidden. God said not to offer strange fire or incense on the altar. Exodus 30 verses 8 and 9. And when Aaron lighteth the lamps at even, he shall burn incense upon it, a perpetual incense before the Lord throughout your generations. You shall offer no strange incense thereon, clear unequivocal. You shall offer no strange incense thereon, nor burnt sacrifice, nor meat offering, neither shall you pour drink offering thereon. Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, knew this. They had to know this. They had to be students of Exodus. They had to read this thoroughly. They knew this. It was defiance. And today we find many, many a church member in defiance against God. When it comes to the Lord's day, when it comes to these things, they are in defiance against God. It's, that's the way it is. You know, our hearts are desperately wicked, you know. We see here also how sin finds company. Sin doesn't feel satisfied alone, being alone. Sin always finds company. And here we see Nadab and Abihu operated together. You can rest assured that if one person is going down a wrong path in the congregation, they will always find someone in the church right alongside them. We've had it before. We've counseled people in there quietly. And they came up here and they find a friend. The friend said, go along and do what you're doing, man. Everybody else doing it. There you go, off name. When you think you got people with you, then that's why you always have to be faithful. Even if you stand alone, you have to be faithful. Sin finds company. It may even be a minister, a pastor. I've had people leave me right here. I remember when we started our process of trying to be more biblical. A lady leave here and went overseas to her island and asked a pastor there, is it wrong? You say your pastor is wrong. He's a dictator. All I was trying to do is bring the church more in a biblical way in worshiping to take out the, the take out the individualistic way of worship. She found a friend that's a pastor and he instructed her, oh, I don't follow him. Now, if you go and you look for instructions for another pastor that you are getting here, you are wrong. It means you don't trust and you don't respect your pastor. You don't have to listen to everything he says, but he will not lead in the wrong direction. Maybe that pastor is the culprit. I don't have to look for ears. I don't have to take on approval of men. I have to follow the scriptures. And if you're not ready to follow the scriptures, you are just not ready for God. 
what made this strange fire was because God did not kindle it. He had not approved it. He did not command it. And many things men permit in worship is not commanded by God. Many activities in the church are out of the minds of men. Many. You know, at times when we go away, we, we just have to endure certain things. I wouldn't advise you, like Brother Depo, to get him a walk out. Um, sometimes you may have to, you, you may have to um, pace your way and get it up. You know, like look for look for an opportunity uh, instead of getting up abruptly. But you know, uh, but by all means, you sh you, you you shouldn't submit yourself to that kind of worship. Um, but. But many things that you you see in worship is not commanded. Mass communion, uh, children, everybody taking communion. Uh, but the action of Nehemiah and Abihu makes swift reaction. Verse two, and there went out fire from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. Apparently, the Lord saw more than the congregation. He saw the motivation and the intent of this action. He knew what they were doing did not only meet, meet swift reaction by God, but it met approval by the man of God. Verse 3, then Moses said to Aaron, can you imagine saying to your brother, uh, having, having lost his two sons, this is that the Lord spake saying, I will be sanctified in them that come near me and before all the people I will be glorified. In other words, this is what God was saying. And Aaron couldn't say anything. He kept silent. He held his peace. I say this because a man of God will always stand with God and not the people of God. If he stands with the people of God, if they're wrong, he doesn't worth two cents. And sometimes all the people they stand against a minister. Moses stood with God and not with the people who were going contrary to church order. And today the church of God needs servants to stand on their feet. I know you like 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 um, Chidamba always says. Now we're going to sing this song. Let us stand on our feet. I asked Sudamba, what else are you going to stand on, Sudamba? And I tell him, feet is not plural. It's not uh, with an S. It's, it's, it's feet, not feet. Still, I guarantee that when you go back, Sudamba is still going to be saying that. But Moses sided with God. And this is a remarkable thing. And sometimes you may have to side with God and go against your brother. But just make sure you do it in a right manner. Today, the church of God needs such men. So we saw two things about this act of presumption. One, it was invented by man, Nadab and Abihu. Two, it was divinely forbidden. It was not sanctioned by the Almighty God. Aaron's son, sons had no warrant from Moses to offer strange fire. And today I say, there are many forms of strange fire offered on the altar. 
things we do that we are not told to do. We come to our last observation, brethren, where we see the results of this presumptuous worship. He brought defilement to the tabernacle. Verses 4 and 5. Moses called for the undertaker crew. Moses called Mishael and Elasphan, the sons of Uziel, the uncle of Aaron, and said unto them, Come near. And these were Levites. Carry your brethren from before the sanctuary out of the camp. So they went near and carried them in their coats out of the camp, as Moses had said, in their coats and all, in their priestly coats. They were defiled. Nothing on them was useful anymore. Now, you know, back in those days, the dead had to be buried right away before the camp becomes defiled. And then in verse 6, we, are, we read, And Moses said unto Aaron, and unto Eleazar, and unto Ithamar, his sons, these were the sons that were left, Uncover not your heads, neither rend your clothes, lest you die, and lest wrath come upon all the people. But let your brethren, the whole house of Israel, bewail the burning which the Lord hath kindled. He lit this fire. He kindled this fire. Moses resorted to a contingency plan. Aaron, other two sons, are immediately recruited for service. And when God moves people out, rest assured, he brings people in. Isn't it good when others can be recruited into service? Today we plead and we beg. We pray and we wait and can't seem to find those to recruit for service. And we should ponder these things that come out of the scriptures. Moses warned the priests not to uncover their heads, nor rent their garments, lest they die. God installed these regulations because worship is serious. You may remember when Jesus stood before Caiaphas, the high priest, he declared that he was the son of God. The high priest, in his pious hypocrisy, violated this law. We're told when the high priest heard, rent his clothes. You remember that, Brother Colin? He tore his garments. I, uh, my, Matthew 26, verse 65, it says, Then the high priest rent his clothes, saying, He has spoken blasphemy. What further need have we of witnesses? Behold, now you have heard his blasphemy. He tore his clothes. Now that action, when he rent his clothes, which the high priest was not supposed to do, marked the end of temple worship. God kept his promise. Do not rent your clothes lest you die. And it, was, it wasn't the high priest that died. It was the whole Levitical system that died. No more would any man go to a Levite 
or a priest to be right with God. As a matter of fact, in a few days, the veil of the temple was ripped from top to bottom. The era of the priesthood came to an end. Today, the Roman Catholic priest and the whole wall of wax is committing blasphemy. God no longer require us to go to earthly priests. One priest, Christ. So when you talk to your Catholic friends and they talk about the priests, you should ask them, which priest? Well, there's only one. You're committing blasphemy. God made sure that Caiaphas came to an end. Era of ceremonial worship was over. Era of earthly priests ended at the cross. God gave us regulations for a reason. He will fulfill them in due course. You don't change them, please. Leviticus 10, 7 concludes, and he shall not go out from the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. Congregation. He's instructing the priests, um, the, these boys, these sons of Aaron, lest you die for the anointing oil of the Lord upon you is upon you and they did according unto the word of Moses. The other three sons of Aaron, their people, were not to mourn over Nadab and Abihu. It would have conveyed that God's judgment was harsh. They were not to be sympathetic, in other words, towards their brethren. They were to be in solidarity with God and not with people. And God says, don't mourn, don't go out. As he tells Jeremiah, don't mourn for his, his, his people. Be on my side. Harsh, huh? No. God is holy. Some people today would, would forsake the church for their family. They are in solidarity with the family. You need to read this. Again. Don't mourn. Remain in the tabernacle. And the Bible says, and they did according to the word of Moses. They did according to the word of Moses. They didn't ask any question. But they are my brothers. Nothing. So, in our survey, we saw the preparations for worship prior to chapter 10. We saw the procedure followed by Moses and Aaron. We saw these things in previous chapters. We took a glimpse at this presumption of Nadab and Abihu. This is our survey. But what practical lessons can we draw today? Now today I have said that many have become presumptuous in defiling the sacredness of worship defiling the doctrines of grace. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3, 16 and 17, do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? Come now from the shadow, from the type to the, real, to the reality of this tent or this tabernacle. You are the tabernacle, the Apostle said. You are the tent. You are the temple of God, and the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. 
If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. Do you smoke cigarettes? Do you put substance in your body? Do you toy around with sin or morality, immorality? Be careful. God is not going to strike you down. But you're defiling the temple. You're offering strange fire. When we use our ingenuity and individuality in creating our own ideas, we are offering strange fire. When we twist the prayer request to our own request, you're offering strange fire. Which God didn't command. He gives simple instructions by a representative what to do. When we seek to incorporate a free-for-all method, we are offering strange fire. There's a direct parallel to this incident in the New Testament book of Acts that I alluded to that mirrors what we read in Leviticus 10. Just as there were two in Leviticus, there were two in Acts. Two is often used to typify the church. Two. God used two for a reason. When we come to the New Testament, two. Ananias and Sapphira were presumptuous in lying to the Apostle Peter. As a matter of fact, when Ananias' wife came, apparently the two had already agreed. I often say that husbands are like their wives in most cases. They saw others performing the Christian duty of giving. They saw God receiving the glory and they sought to receive glory by telling the apostle, we have given you all of the money from the sale of the land. And we read in Acts chapter 5, verse 5 and 6. I read it to you. Acts chapter 5, verse 5 and 6. These words. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost. And great fear came upon all them that heard these things. And the young men arose warmed them up and carried them out and buried them. Just like Aaron's three sons wound up these two boys. These true sons of Aaron wound up Ananias and Sapphira and carried them out and buried them. Uh, I say this to remind us that presumption is a terrible thing and at times people do not do certain things by mistake uh, because they don't, they don't know better. Uh, many times people do things in spite of the clear uh, teachings that they get from the Word of God. Uh, God can and, and God will forgive and pardon genuine ignorance to His Word so long as we confess and forsake our sin. God does forgive us. 
we sin in ignorance at times. But, but when people in defiance presume to go against the, the stated will of God, God reacts in judgment. And I, I say this up to last week. Um, God has a way of bringing judgment upon people. Sometimes you see whole families wipe out uh, judgment, no interest in church anymore. Divided homes, yeah. children free to roam. That's judgment, spiritual judgment. We, we fail to, to discipline our children, we fail, fail to correct them. Uh, but the next thing you know, and you see it right here. You And, and, and I think you, you deacons know what I'm talking about because I, I shared it with you. Terrible judgment. It's a judgment when you have a whole family and they're not interested in the gospel. It's a judgment. But God can forgive sin. Bible says you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and the table of devils. Do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? These are two rhetorical questions. Nadab and Abihu did not offer strange fire because of ignorance. God took time to give all of these instructions to worship in the book of Leviticus. And then he selected Aaron and his sons. He gave them coats, bonnets, mitres, all of these things, censers. Give them all of these things and they decide they're gonna offer strange fire. God has given us so much. He's given us his grace, his love. He's given us his word. Why would we want to offer strange fire to worship? These are some practical lessons that we can close with in this text um, that I will give now some practical quickly. One, familiarity often breeds contempt. Look at who offers strange fire those closest to Moses. At times, those who are closest to the minister and servant of God hurts him the most. It is not those who are not close to him. It is those ones working next to him that hurts him the most. Familiarity often breeds contempt. Just because we have found ourselves in places of responsibility doesn't give us the right to presume to do anything in the minister's absence. We should not introduce anything we were not told to do. We must not ask any and everyone to pray just because the minister is gone. You don't know the potency of an evil heart. You don't know. 
We should not introduce any nuances. We should not change the order of worship. We should not change the hymns to our fancy. I like this one better. Stay with the protocols. Second, notice that God does not have any pets, any untouchables. Just because men have privileges, they're not exempt from God's stated procedures. God treated Nadab and Abihu just as he treated the heathen in Canaan. Same way. Because he doesn't have pets. I'm not a pet. Nobody connected to me is a pet. So I pray, brethren, that we will mark these lessons from Leviticus because they are very sobering and they're very serious when it comes to worship. Let's pray. Amen. The word of God has gone forth and it is a passage of scripture that we would have loved to skip over, but it is a passage of scripture that is very instructional to us. We pray you will help us, Lord, as your people to follow these instructions carefully, to watch ourselves in the sanctuary, what we advance, what we seek to do. Help us to do things to bring honor and glory to your son, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen.